and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. And it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of sharing. We ask God that the Holy Spirit will continue to be in control in this place. You said that it's not by power nor by might, but that it is only by your spirit. We give the spirit the right away in this place. That no flesh would glory in your presence nor in your sight. Pray that the word of God would have a free course. We bind the hand of the enemy, every assignment of the enemy. We plead the blood of Jesus against him even now. And God, we decree and declare that this day is a day of victory, not a day of defeat, a day of healing, a day of revival and restoration. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And every heart and mind says, amen. If I would have a thought for this morning, my thought would be, I will survive. I will survive. Text today in Acts chapter 27, and those of us that have been in church a little while, you may have come across this story of Paul being in the storm, Eurachlodon. This great apostle, one who was called and chosen by God, we'd find that he was the one that would show up to bring glad tidings to the Gentiles. As we read through the book of Acts, it would introduce us to this great man, the Apostle Paul. This great book of Acts, which is a book of history, penned by a man by the name of Dr. Luke. Luke, whom himself being an historian, was not only given credit in the church world, but also from those that are without non-churchgoers who were historians, they give credit to the writings of Dr. Luke. We find that in the beginning stages of this book of Acts that it would be the fall of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit would fall, 3,000 souls would get saved. Acts chapter 3, they heal a man at the gate called Beautiful, and 3,001 souls were saved. But we find that Acts would record Pentecost to persecution because under these circumstances and at this time, the church was under great persecution. We find that in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John was arrested for the gospel. Acts chapter 5, we find that they were not only arrested, but they were arrested and beaten for the gospel. In Acts chapter 6, we find that God would begin to raise up deacons to help with the ministry of the church. And you'd find a man by the name of Stephen who was full of the Holy Ghost, and God would choose Stephen. But in Acts chapter 6, we find out that even Stephen was arrested for the gospel. In Acts chapter 7, we find that that same Stephen that was arrested for the gospel would have to give his life for the gospel because they would stone him for what he believed. It is amazing to me that we as believers desire the ovation and the approval of man. But we must understand that if man never approves you, you want to make sure that God approves you. 
that if man never stands up for you, if man never claps for you, you want to make sure that God can be so pleased with your life that he'd be willing to give you a standing ovation. You find something in the life of Stephen that everywhere else you read in the Bible, you'd find that Jesus Christ would be seated at the right hand of God. But there's only one time in Scripture you'll ever see Jesus get up. And that's when they stoned Stephen. And Stephen, he reminded Jesus so much of himself because Stephen was saying, Lord, lay this not, this sin, not to their charge. Reminded Jesus of himself when he was hanging on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. You can't get a better standing ovation from God than when you enter into forgiving somebody that don't deserve it. So many times to forgive people that have crossed us and to forgive people that have wronged us, sometimes it's a difficult thing because we feel that they should know better and sometimes they do know better. They just did whatever it is that they wanted to do. But just because they did what they wanted to do, it does not excuse you and I from having the right not to forgive somebody that have crossed us. I believe that what we need in today's church is people that are willing to forgive those that have crossed you. I'm not saying that God has come to make you a dummy, but I am saying that we have to forgive. I'm not trying to say that if they slap you six times that you supposed to stick your head out there for them to slap you again. No, no, no. God didn't tell you to keep running out in that street and getting ran over by the same car. But he did say that you would have to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, then the Bible says that neither would God forgive us find in this Acts chapter 8 and want to talk about Stephen because it is this Stephen that would introduce us to a man by the name of Saul. You find in Acts chapter 8 that the man by the name of Saul would be introduced uh, and the reason he was introduced is because he was the one that would give consent to the death of this deacon by the name of Stephen. Uh, this Saul who would later be called Paul in the book of Acts we find out that he didn't start out being an apostle. Paul was a bad boy. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3 that this apostle Paul, that he made havoc of the church. He destroyed the church. He, he, he drug people off that called on the name of Christ and committed them into prisons. And in some places in the Bible it said he even killed folk for calling on the name of the Lord. What are you saying, young preacher, that as I look at the life of Paul, that there had to be a conversion, and the conversion takes place in Acts chapter 9, right after the Bible tells you what his dirt was in Acts chapter 8. It is amazing to me, and it is also comforting to me, that God don't care nothing about your dirt. And everybody in here should have said Amen. Unless you ain't got no dirt in your life. God knew the dirt that was on Paul's life in Acts chapter 8. And he still calls him in Acts chapter 9. It's amazing to me that in Acts chapter 9, it lets us in on the view of what happens when our history finally collides with his story. When you and I, when we become saved, what happens is our history gets an opportunity to collide with his story, the death, burial, and the resurrection. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I don't know about you, but I am grateful that my dirty history 
history had a chance to bump into his story. It is because of his story that I can stand here and preach. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me in here. Don't you fool yourself. There is nothing extra special about Jones Jr. I didn't wake up. I, I didn't wake up clean. I didn't wake up holy. But because of his mercy, because of his grace, I got the opportunity to hold a microphone. What am I doing with the microphone in my hand? You ain't got the judgment. I've already judged myself. You, you ain't got to throw no rocks at me. I've already looked at my life and said, Jones, you don't even deserve to be here. I don't want to preach just yet. But I wish I had somebody to say, even though I don't deserve it, baby, I'm still going to accept it. Is there anybody here to say I might not deserve it, but I ain't going to turn it. I ain't going to turn it down. No, no, no. No, we're not going to walk away. I don't deserve it, but, but, but I accept it. We find here that the Apostle Paul, he allows us to know what happens when our history meets his story. We find that the Apostle Peter, he meets Peter on the boat, and Peter's history meets his story, and Peter is forever changed. He meets a woman of Samaria at the well, and he, she, she finds out, and she tells him about her history, but her history meets his story, and she is forever changed. In the book of Micah, chapter 7, around verse 19, it says that he will take your sins and throw them into the depth of the sea, so he cares nothing about your history because his blood will cover your history. I find that as we call Paul, he would tell the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9 verse 15 and 16, he said, listen, you're a chosen vessel to bear my name before kings, to suffer for my name. I find in Acts 16 that the apostle Paul would be in Philippi in jail. God told him he would have to suffer and the Bible bears out that he would have to go through just what God said. Find in Acts chapter 17 that as he would leave Philippi, that he would go down to Thessalonica. And he say Thessalonica was that bout it, bout it city. Thessalonica, they had base assort men. Thessalonica was like 45th and Moncrief or East 21st. You know, they just don't. Y'all ain't going to. Y'all ain't from Jacksonville. You, 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 you can't tell me that when you riding through 45th, when you hear a loud boom, you looking for a pistol or something. You, you, heard the, the, you heard the same loud boom in Mandarin. You ain't even, you ain't even turn your head. You kept right on rolling. You hear that same boom on 45th, you done about ducked out your... What you ducking for, baby? We on 45th. They, they shoot around here. That's how Thessalonica was and these men from Thessalonica they would uh, shave their head and band themselves together and say we will not rest until we kill the apostle Paul and so Paul runs from Philippi to Thessalonica and from Thessalonica he run down to Berea in Berea they were more noble they studied the word of God they took heed to what Paul was saying but the people in Thessalonica were so crazy until they came from Thessalonica down to Berea and ran Paul from Berea Paul runs to Athens and then to Corinth Find something here in Acts chapter 21. Y'all, I'm getting on down the road. Y'all just bear with me. I hope y'all enjoying yourself because I am. Find in Acts 21 that the apostle Paul would be prophesied to. Prophet by the name of Agabus. He would tell the apostle Paul that you're going to go to Jerusalem. And when you go to Jerusalem, that the Jews are going to turn you over to the Gentiles. We find in that same 21st chapter around verse 30 and 31, we find that the Apostle Paul stays in trouble. 
As Paul would take the voyage and he would take the trip that the prophet warned him about taking. We find in verse 30 and 31, as Paul would get down to Jerusalem, the Bible say that the men, the Jews of that city, they supposed that Paul had brought a Gentile into the temple. And because of this, they would begin to beat the apostle Paul. In verse number 30, it says that they drew the apostle Paul out and they shut the door. Verse 31, it says, and as they went about to kill him, they, they, they weren't just beating Paul, they were prepared to kill the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul, he stayed in trouble. In Acts chapter 14, the Bible says around verse 22 that Paul had to confirm the souls that had been saved because the apostle Paul had got stoned in that same place. It is the Apostle Paul that when he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27, when he gives his resume, he said, above five times was I beaten with stripes and three times was I beaten with rods. The Apostle Paul had a crazy life. He's a man that stayed in trouble. What do you see, young Jones, in the text? And as we continue to read in chapter 21, we find that the Apostle Paul in verse number 32, that God delivers Paul in a crazy kind of a way. Here Paul is getting beat up and beat down by the Jews. But God will allow some Roman soldiers, the chief captain of the Roman soldiers, to hear about them beating Paul. And he shows up and he arrests the apostle Paul. But in arresting the apostle Paul, he actually saves the apostle Paul. You and I have to be careful because if we're not careful, we can judge on the way that God chooses to bring us out. Paul, Paul, Paul could have complained and say, wait a minute now, I, I done went from getting beat, now I'm locked up. But it was him being locked up that saved his very life. Th there are times you can be complaining about something that's actually keeping you alive for God to bring you your promise. You got to be careful at what you complain about. Sometimes you had a flat tire and you didn't understand that the flat tire that you was crying about really kept you from the wreck that was going to take your life. You so busy worrying about the flat tire, you can't see God's provision and protection over your life. You know God see further than you. So God said, I need a blowout right here. I need something to go wrong right here. I need the bridge to come up right. You mad because you stuck in traffic, but stuck in traffic might have saved your life. Y'all ain't going to let me preach up in here. So he delivers the apostle Paul. Bible says in verse 35 that the people beat Paul so bad that the soldiers had to carry him away. So Paul finds himself in captivity. The same way that the prophet prophesied. The Jews turned him over to the Roman Gentiles. Finds himself in captivity. Find here that captivity is a normal place for Paul. Paul used to be in jail. What do you see? Young Jones, the apostle Paul, when you talk about him being in captivity in this same 22nd chapter, while he's under arrest, the apostle Paul begins to testify while he's locked up. We got folk walking around here free and won't preach. You got a good job, a roof over your head, a car drive, and you won't testify to nobody. Y'all ain't going to let me preach up in here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Paul, 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 Paul is in jail. He don't know if he's going to die tomorrow. But since I got an opportunity to tell somebody about what God has done for me, I'll preach when I'm in chains. What do you see, young Jones, in the captivity? I'll tell you 
what I see, the Apostle Paul, he's accustomed to being locked up. But the Bible says, and the historians say, that the Apostle Paul, he wrote the book of Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, and Philippians during his imprisonment in Rome. What are you saying, young Jones, that, that the verses that we shout about, the verses that we rejoice over, they were literally written while this man was in jail. What are, you, what are you trying to tell me, young Jones, is that I don't care what your situation is. Don't allow the captivity of your situation to stop you from thinking that you can't be a blessing to others. It is the devil's job to get you so consumed with your life, to get you so consumed with your bills, to get you so consumed with your trouble, till you stop praying for folk. Somebody say, I ain't going to let my captivity stop me. It was in captivity that the apostle Paul, he wrote that Ephesians 3.20, that above, whatever you can ask or think, he said that God is going to do more than that. That was written in his captivity. Philippians chapter 1, he said, he that has begun a good work, he is able to perform it till that day. He wrote that in captivity. Paul wrote in the captivity, Philippians chapter 4, when he said that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He wasn't walking around as a free man. He had chains on his arms and chains on his feet, but yet and still, he said, my pen got to write the gospel. Y'all ain't gonna talk back to me in here. It was a man by the name of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a slave. Ezekiel was in captivity, but in his captivity, he said, I'm going to prophesy to the valley of dry bones, and the dry bones are going to live. May I submit to you, your captivity cannot stop the anointing that is on your life. Your captivity cannot stop your purpose. It cannot stop your destiny. You ought to shout, captivity can't stop me. My trouble can't stop me. The bills can't stop me. I got fired, but it can't stop me. They left me by myself, but they can't stop me. They can't stand my guts, but they can't. You ought to shout, it can't stop me. It can't stop me. So he's in his captivity. There's something about captivity. It reveals what's in you. When, when you're in the captivity of your situation, it, it brings the strength of God to the forefront. It is something about your captivity that allows you to see God in another light that you never would have seen him if you didn't go through the hell that you've been through. There are times you got to make up in your mind, I'm going to shout about my hell instead of crying. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me in here because it allowed me to see God in a whole nother light. So Paul finds himself in captivity. It's amazing to me that in that same chapter in verse 28, I believe it is, the apostle Paul was about to get beat. But Paul had to let him know that I'm a Roman citizen. See, back then, Romans were running everything. Jews weren't running nothing. Thought Paul was a Jew. He was by nationality. They was going to beat him like he was a Jew. And Paul let him know that I was born a free man. I want to stop here very quickly. I don't want to stay here long. Because it is this verse that lets me know that God had to choose Paul because Paul had something that the 11 disciples did not have. Paul was born a free man. See, there's no way in the world that, that, that Peter and John and them and James and them could have ever made it to kings and governors. Because they weren't free men. 
So in order for God to get the gospel to the king, he got to save somebody that can reach the king. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to stop right here because some of you should have caught that in the spirit and realized that the reason God saved you is because you are qualified to reach some people that the bishop and the pastor can't reach. You ought to tell somebody, I'm qualified to reach somebody. So he saved the apostle Paul because of the credentials of the apostle Paul. Let's, let's be honest. The apostle Paul was an educated man. You find out in chapter 22 that Paul can speak two languages. Okay? Let's be honest. The Bible says that when they first caught Peter and John, the first thing they noticed was how dumb they were. Okay, let me slow down. That was a little rough. That was a little rough. They say that these men are unlearned. That the first thing they recognized about Peter and them was not the fact that they could heal. It was the fact that they were unlearned. You know, God loves good representation. He said, ain't nowhere in the world I'm going to let Peter go up there talking to that king for me. Let me find me an apostle Paul. Let me find me somebody that know how to put a verb and a noun together. Somebody that know how to talk correct. English. We as believers, I love this Bible because the apostle Peter never gets jealous because Paul can do what he can't do. Y'all ain't gonna let me preach in here. I want to talk to the body of Christ. Sometimes we're in the body of Christ and you're jealous of somebody and you can't do what they do. You jealous, mad, and can't do it. Y'all pray for me. So he saves the Apostle Paul. Because Paul could reach people that the other 11 could not reach. Find in Acts 23, verse number 11, that the Lord tells Paul that not only must you bear witness for me in Jerusalem, but you must also bear me witness in Rome. Paul was ordained to go to Rome. Paul was going to Rome. He, destination was Rome. And Paul even said at one point in time, he said that I want to go to Rome. God ordains for him to go to Rome. God is his spiritual travel agent. But God doesn't tell Paul how he's going to get there. I'm going to stop here real quick. He tells Paul, you're going to Rome, but God leaves out things sometimes. Is there anybody here? Has God ever told you something and just left out some key components? You, you thinking, Lord, if you, you, you wasn't supposed to leave that out. I, I can see Paul saying, I know I'm going to Rome, but you didn't tell me I was going to get beat down and arrested to get there. You, you, didn't, you, you didn't. God will tell you I'm going to give you a new house, but don't tell you you got to get evicted out of the old one. <laughs> I think that's something you should have told me. You probably should have told me that before I started shouting. <laughs> you didn't tell me I'm going to get a better job that I had to get fired off of this whole one in order to get the better one. You, you probably could have told me that. So he tells Paul, you're going to Rome, but doesn't tell Paul how he's going to get there. 
Joseph in his infancy. He gives Joseph a dream that he's going to be over his father and mother and his sisters and brothers. But as he talks about Job and as he gives Joseph the dream, excuse me, as he gives Joseph the dream, he doesn't tell Joseph in order to get to the destination of your dream, you got to be hated by your brothers, placed in the bottom of a pit, sold as a slave, lied on by Potiphar's wife, then put in prison, finally to run into the butler and the baker. If I was Joseph, I would say, why not let me meet the butler and the baker first? So God, he, he doesn't tell you how you're going to get there. So the apostle Paul is under arrest. He stands before Felix. Stands before Fetus. Stands before King Agrippa. King Agrippa almost got saved. But you know almost just ain't good enough. So King Agrippa, willing that Paul's testimony would be heard, he sends the apostle Paul to Rome. By the way, of a ship with other prisoners. I like to say it like this, that God was sending Paul to Rome at the Romans' expense. I'm going to send you to Rome, Paul, and you ain't even got to pay for it. I'm going to make the devil pay for it. You should have caught that in the spirit right there. Y'all ain't going to say it. Amen. That's a little bit of application. Y'all ain't going to. Wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Come on, shout somebody. So we find here in Romans, Acts, excuse me, chapter 27, verse number 10, that the apostle Paul, then they're getting ready to set this voyage. And Paul is warning them that it's not a good time to sail now. The weather is not white. The wind is not right. He warns them that if we sail now, there's going to be a lot of hurt, a lot of damage. And the landing of the ship, not only will the ship be in danger, but our very lives. Find here something interesting in these verse 10 and number 11 is that we find that there are some storms in life you cannot avoid. We wish we could navigate around them. But sometimes the only navigation is going through them. Sometimes you say, well, if I would have just went right, then this wouldn't have happened. If I would have turned left, then that wouldn't have happened. But there, there are some storms that are assigned to your life and they're going to hit you whether you go right or left. The Apostle Paul, he finds out here that there are some storms that you cannot avoid, but even in unavoidable storms, I must know, like the psalmist said in Psalms 37, 23, that the steps of a good man or a good woman, that they are ordained of the Lord and that God will delight in their way. And though they fall, God will hold them up. Yeah. Said in the book of Proverbs that a righteous man falls seven times, but God will raise him up again. There are some storms we cannot get around. There are some storms we simply have to go through. Verses 13 and 14, we find that in verse 13 that the Bible says that the wind blew softly. But by the time you get to verse 14, we find that Eurachlodon is here. You look at the history and the definition of Eurachlodon, it was literally a hurricane. So Paul is saying first that the, the wind was smooth first and then within one verse, now the smooth wind has now turned into hurricane. How quickly did the storm arise? What does the verse show us, young preacher, is that one day you can be in your home and the next day you can be homeless. How quickly does the storm arise? One day you can be driving your fancy car and the next day you can be catching a ride. How quickly the storm will arise. One day you got the job that you ever wanted. You got the job to pay your bills only to find out the next day that they're giving you a call that your job is coming to an end. How quickly can the 
storm arise in our life. One day you got perfect health only to go to the doctor for the doctor to tell you that I see something on your liver. I see something on your lungs or you got cancer. How quickly the storms in life can arise. How quickly, Young Jones, can the storm arise? There are people here, if you would tell the truth, that if you have lost loved ones, some of you have lost sons and lost daughters. There are some of you that have lost people that are dear to you. And if the truth be told, it's like they were here today and gone tomorrow. You cannot determine nor dictate the storms of life. This is why you and I must have a solid foundation because I can't do anything about the storm, but I can do something about the foundation that my life is built on. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, Jesus said that if you listen to my words, I liken you into a wise man that dug down deep and built his house on the rock. And when the wind and the floods blew and came, it says that after the storm was over, the house was still standing. Understand that Jesus Christ never erases the storm. He just tells you that you got a good foundation. Is there anybody here that say, preacher, I thank you for that word because I've been expecting for all of my storms to dissipate. No, baby, some storms will last longer than you want them to. But if your foundation is stronger, you'll come out on the other end of your storm. Find here that how quickly life can change. This is why when we love people, you got to love people for real. This is why it's not good to have divisions in your family, divisions in your home, because you really don't know where death is. It's a cliche, but the truth of the matter is you can have somebody that you care for. Y'all can be at odds, and one of y'all can die tomorrow. It's a tough thing to live with, to be at odds with somebody, and they take their last breath before you have the opportunity to get it right. I would at least want to go to you and let you know that I'm sorry and let you reject me than for me to sit in my pride and not at least give you a phone call. We find here 18 and 19. I'm coming on around the corner, y'all. I feel somebody pulling me, so I'm, I'm gonna let you go ahead on and pull me. We find in 18 and 19, we find that the Apostle Paul and the men on the ship they have to lighten the ship. Stand the thing that you have to do in the storm of your Rockladon. You must not be afraid to lighten your load. Understand that there are some seasons that you go through in life, you ain't got time to play. Some, some, some seasons ain't Facebook seasons. Some seasons ain't Twitter seasons. Some seasons ain't calling all of your girlfriends and telling them what's going on in your life. You got some seasons, you got to break away and isolate yourself to get your mind right. Gotta tell somebody, this just ain't that season. I, I got to lighten my ship. I got to lighten my load. I got to cut some folk off for a little while. You know some people are just dead weight in your life. Tell the neighbor, cut the weight, cut the weight, cut the dead weight. If you cut the dead weight, baby, you can fly higher. Ain't nothing wrong with your wings. It's the dead weight you got attached to your feet. You got to cut that dead weight if you want to fly higher. Tell somebody, cut the weight. Find here in verse number 20. I'm trying to cut across this field, y'all, but I feel good while I'm here. Find in verse number 20 that the Bible says that all hope was lost that they should be saved. Storm got so bad until these men, they lost hope. It's a dangerous thing to lose hope. Am I judging you? No. Because if you've been saved any length of time, you lost hope somewhere. Don't, 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 get, don't get super angelic on me now. I know you're saved and you can quote Bible and verse. How many of y'all going to tell the truth? You, you done been in church praising and ain't have no hope. 
You, you ever been in church waving your hands and your hope was gone? You, you was war crying with everybody else and you didn't have no hope. So they lost their hope. It's a dangerous thing to lose your hope because we are saved by hope. Book of Ecclesiastes 9.14, it says, anyone who is among the living has hope. If you are breathing, if you can inhale and exhale, may I submit to you, you still got a chance for God to bring you out. God don't care nothing about the scoreboard. He don't care how many points you're down. He don't care about the felony on your record. God say, if you still got breath, I still got a chance to bring you out. But what does God do, young preacher? What do you see is that as they lose their hope, he gives the man of God a word in verses 21 through 22. The apostle Paul tells them, he says, listen, ain't no life going to be lost. He tells them to be of good cheer. What God does is he sends them a word in their hopeless situation. But what the word does, it resuscitates their hope. You preaching, Jones. It, 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 it resuscitates your, your, your hope. What, what do you mean, young preacher? It is said that when a person is resuscitated, they have to first of all stop breathing before they can be resuscitated. See, when you lose your hope, you didn't know it, but in your spirit, you stop breathing. You, you, you ought to tell somebody, baby, like Tony Braxton, I'm about, I'm about to breathe again. I, I know she said you will never breathe again, but I believe that somebody can give me a word that can resuscitate my hope, bring my hope back to life. Is there anybody here that have lost your hope? You've lost your drive. You've lost your will to pray. You've lost your will to praise. God say, baby, there's a word that will resuscitate your hope. Somebody shout, Lord, you can resuscitate me. You, you can bring me back to life. I, I don't know who it is in here, but there's somebody in here. You don't know how long you've been without breathing. You've been living so long without hope until you done got comfortable living without hope. But I believe that God has sent the word here today for me to encourage you that you still got hope to be a better you. You still got hope to live a better life. You still got hope to love again. You still got hope to be healed from your past pains. You still got hope. Somebody shout hope. So we find here that the apostle Paul, between verses 22 and 25, he tells them twice. He says, you got to be of good cheer. Paul tells them this because he has gotten the word. He tells them to be of good cheer. He tells them in a sideline manner, you can rejoice now. See, when you're in your storm, you have to know how to be of good cheer, not when you come out of your storm. You got to learn how to be of good cheer when you hear that God going to bring you out. Y'all pray for me here because th there has to be something in you and I that can rejoice simply over the word that has been spoken. I said to myself the other day, I said that that man that owned the Jaguars, I think his last name is Mr. Khan or something that way. I said that if he came up to me and wrote me a $30,000 check, I may not have the cash in my hand, but I'm going to shout right there because his check is just as good as money. 
Y'all ain't gonna talk back to me in here. What are you saying? You're preaching that God's word when he's speaking. It is just as good as the real thing because God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. So when God says it's gonna be all right, you ain't gotta wait till the battle is over, but you can start shouting now because when God speaks, it's just as good as the real thing. Turn to a neighbor and say, neighbor, when God speaks, it's just as good as the real thing. I'm going to cut across this field, y'all, because I feel like preaching. But now the Bible says, when Paul heard the word, the apostle Paul says in verse 25, he said, for I believe God that even as it has been told me that everybody on the ship is going to be saved. What the apostle Paul was saying, he said, I believe more in God than I believe in my storm. May I submit to you that if you believe in your storm more than you believe in your God, you ain't gonna make it but I believe in my God more than I believe in my storm I believe in the God that I can't see more than I believe in the trouble that I can see that's why the Bible says we got to look not at those things which are seen because the things that are seen they are temporary I dare you to touch a neighbor and say neighbor whatever you're going through right now it's temporary your storm is passing over but the word that God spoke it's gonna last forever can I preach this thing just like I feel you see in verse number 27 the Bible says that they had been in the storm for 14 days but around midnight they began to sense that they were close to shore I don't know who I'm preaching to but it's about your midnight you're closer to the shore than what you think you're a day closer to than what you were yesterday you ought to tell somebody I'm about to feel that my shore is near I'm about to feel my deliverance is near and so Paul said that they felt that the shore was near but it was about midnight now I shout when it talks about midnight because Paul and Silas they were in jail and God brought them out around midnight you ought to tell your neighbor God loves to go to work around midnight he specializes in working in your life around midnight you see midnight it can't get no darker midnight it can't get no better midnight you can't get no broker midnight you can't cry no more tears but God specializes in doing the work at midnight you see the psalmist said that weeping may endure for a night but joy is coming in the morning when is morning preacher you know the morning is it's 12.01 you see morning is it's the minute after midnight so if you're close to midnight your morning is closer than what you think you ain't gonna wait till the battle is over but you ought to tell your neighbor my morning is here can I preach this thing just like I feel now the Bible says that when they felt they were close to shore it says they let down four anchors Paul say let down the anchors why he told them Jones to let down the anchors because you've come too far to abandon your ship now God told me to tell you you got to hold on let down your anchor don't you give up don't you turn around don't you go back to the sin that you left you ought to tell your neighbor my anchor 
nothing less than Jesus Christ. Y'all ain't gonna let me preach up in here, but I feel like preaching. Somebody say preach Jones. And so the Bible says they let down the anchor. But when they let down the anchor, something happened, y'all. The men on the boat, they begin to let down lifeboats. And some men on the ship, they said that it is better for us to get in the lifeboat and leave the big ship. But Paul told them, he said, don't you get in that little lifeboat. He said, the only way you can be saved, you got to stay in the ship. What are you saying, preacher? I don't care how bad your storm gets. Don't you get in that little ship. I don't care how bad your storm is. Don't get in the ship of alcohol. I don't care how bad your storm is. Don't get in the ship of sex. I don't care how bad your storm is. Don't get in the ship of drugs. You ought to tell your neighbor, don't you get in that little ship. But you got to remain in the ship. The apostle Paul said, he said, if you stay in the ship, he said, you'll be safe. You say, young Jones, what is my ship? My ship is the word. If you can stay in the word, God is going to save If you can stay in the word, he's going to bring you out. If you can stay in the word, he's going to save your family. If you can stay in the word, that new job is coming. If you can stay in the word, you're already healed. If you can stay in the word, your mind is already renewed. You ought to tell somebody, you got to stay in. Stay in the ship. Can I preach this thing just like I feel? Now the Bible says that the ship broke up and they had to make it to land. Some on boards and some on broken pieces. You say, well, wait a minute, Jones. If the ship is the word, then what are the broken pieces? May I submit to you that to make it out of your trial, you don't need all 66 books. All you need is a piece of word. If you can get a piece of word, you can make it to the other side. If you can just get you a verse, you can make it to the other side. If you can just get you a word, you can make it to the other side. You ought to tell somebody, I got my piece of the ship. I got my word. And God told me to tell you, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered in until the heart of man. Those things that God has prepared for you, don't you let go. You got to hold on. Can I preach this thing just like I feel? I'm about to go home, but stay in the ship. I'm about to go home, but stay in the ship. The storm has bruised you. The storm has battered you. The storm has beat you, but stay in the ship. The storm has knocked you down. The storm has made you cry. The storm has made you lose sleep. You had some sleepless nights, but stay in. Stay in the ship. Can I preach this thing? Just like I feel. You say that is the Bible. And that only the strong. They say only the strong. Only the strong survive. But may I submit to you. That ain't nothing but a lie. See the strong don't survive. But the weak survive. What you say preacher? That when you're in God. You don't survive because of your strength. You survive because of your weakness. Because when you are weak. Then he is strong When you are weak Then you know how to lean on him When you are weak Then you're gonna call on him When you are weak Can't nobody do it If God don't do it Can I preach 
16, huh? just like I feel. Huh? What you're saying, Young Jones, huh? I'm about to feel huh? an oxymoron. Huh? I'm about to feel huh? a little doubling up. Huh? What are you saying, preacher? Huh? That when God is on your side, huh? your life says huh? that you should worry. Huh? But yet and still, huh? you'll walk in peace. Huh? Life would say huh? you could submit suicide. Huh? But God will say huh? you got to leave. Huh? Can I preach y'all? Huh? Just like I feel. Huh? See, when you're in the storm huh? and you got your word, huh? God told me to tell you huh? that you're going to survive. Huh? Because everything you need huh? is in his word. Huh? Everything you need huh? is in his name. Huh? I didn't come to preach to you huh? to sell you some dream. Huh? But I came to preach to you huh? to tell you about the word. Huh? Because the Bible says huh? that faith coming by hearing huh? and hearing by the word of God. Huh? They tell me huh? that you got to be fit huh? in order to make it. Huh? But may I submit to you huh? that it's not by fitness, huh? but it is by faith. Huh? If you got the faith, huh? then God's got the power. Huh? If you got the faith, huh? then God's got the ability. Huh? I dare you to turn to a neighbor huh? and say, neighbor, huh? I got faith huh? that God is bringing me huh? to the other side huh? and I'm closer huh? than what you think. Huh? Is there anybody here huh? that can shout now? Huh? Is there anybody here huh? that can praise now? Huh? Is there anybody here huh? that can dance now? Huh? Turn to a neighbor huh? and say neighbor huh? I will survive huh? I will survive huh? I will survive huh? I got to survive huh? because God said so huh? I got to survive huh? because I shall live huh? and declare the works of the Lord huh? grab your neighbor huh? by the hand huh? and say neighbor huh? I will huh? I will survive huh? I will survive huh? I'll survive the fire huh? I will survive huh? I'll survive the rain. I will survive. I'll survive the flood. I will survive. I'll survive the haters. I will survive. Survive the unemployment. I will survive. Can I preach this thing? Just like I feel. I'm about to go home. But the more I preach, the better I feel. And the more I preach, the devil is losing his hold. The more I preach, somebody's about to come out. The more I preach, you're about to feel you gonna make it huh? the more I preach huh? you're about to get faith huh? in the place of your doubt huh? the more I preach huh? I wish I had somebody huh? that'll shout preach Holy Ghost huh? cause I feel huh? like the Holy Ghost is preaching huh? now I got news for you huh? there's somebody here huh? you say Jones huh? I don't need to confess huh? that I will survive huh? because I ain't in no storm huh? I ain't in no trouble huh? well I want you to jump in huh? and help us out uh, and say neighbor uh, I can't say uh, that I will survive uh, but I can say uh, I have survived uh, is there anybody here uh, that can think of one thing uh, that you have survived uh, because of the Lord uh, that was on your side uh, shout I have survived I survived the rape I survived the molestation I survived the bad marriage I survived the heartbreak can I preach this thing just like I feel I survived the ghetto I survived the alcohol 
alcohol. I survived the cocaine. I survived the drugs. I survived the adultery. Can I preach y'all? I survived the car wreck. I survived the shooting. I survived the club life. I survived the stripper pole. I survived. I survived. I survived. I survived. I shouldn't even be here. But I survived. Should be dead and gone. But I survived. I don't deserve to be in this pulpit. But I survived. And since I survived, I got to praise him. Since I survived, I got to give him glory. Since I survived, I got to give him honor. So survive. 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 Come on Zion, come on Zion, come on Zion, let me hear you giving praise, let me hear you giving glory, I don't care where you are, let me hear you shout, 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 shout, yes, 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 I feel, like preaching. Y'all better pray for me. I'm trying to let them go. But the more I try to quit, I feel something pushing me. The more I try to stop, the Holy Ghost is drawing me. The Holy Ghost told me to tell you. He said, preach it, Jones. See, after you survive, you're your rockladon. The Bible says that when the Apostle Paul, when he made it to the other side, that he built the fire. And when he built the fire, a serpent bit him. And when the snake bit him, the snake was poisonous. And the men of that place, they say, surely the Apostle Paul is about to die. But when he survived the storm, he was so anointed that when the snake bit him, he just shook it off. See, you don't even know it. But the storm you're in is increasing your anointing. The storm you're in is increasing your power. That when the devil bites you, the next time, all you're going to have to do is shake it off. I double dog day to look the devil in his eyes and shake it off. I double dog day to think about some trouble and shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Now, if you believe it, don't just shake with your hands, but shake your whole body. Say, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Every chain. Every chain. Every chain. Every chain. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Yeah. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the deliverance. Thank you for the power. 